Capital of the world. It's the TC Martin Show. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Wiggins a three-pointer, puts it in. A 15-point lead with 143 to play. The Warriors are ready to celebrate. The doctor, TC Martin, launches. The doctor is now in. Glad to have you with us. It is a Monday, and it's a breaking news Monday, isn't it? Oh, we've got lots to hit on today. Recapping a wild weekend of NBA playoffs, and we've got breaking news surrounding that. And NHL playoffs, they continue, especially here for the Vegas Golden Knights, as they get ready to play game number four in the peg tonight. We've got team coverage for you. That's right. Straight from Winnipeg. Only here. We got Double B, Brian Benowitz, along with Jerry the Dentist, dual season ticket holder, plenty of food galore, and my man Jesus Lopez, the voice on the Spanish side for the Vegas Golden Knights. He will be joining us as well from Winnipeg. Plus, we've got Matt Holt will uh, join us, talk a little uh, NBA playoffs, as well as the breaking news that we reported last Friday regarding the Detroit Lions and Washington Commanders players uh, getting busted for gambling, uh, especially in, at their own facilities on uh, not only just uh, NFL games, but um, betting on sports uh, in general. So Matt Holt will join us there. So we've got a, a jam-packed show coming your way and then highlighted by uh, coverage from San Francisco and Sacramento. Jim Barnett, the longtime Golden State Warriors broadcast analyst on both the television and the radio side and the former player with the Warriors. He joins us today as well, too. So Jim Barnett coming your way at the bottom of this hour. And then we go live to Winnipeg in hour number two. Matt Holt joins us towards the end of the show as well. So jam-packed show coming your way with a lot to talk about, a lot to recap. NBA playoffs. NHL playoffs, Golden Knights back in action tonight, facing off at 6.30 our time. So look forward to all of that. Well, like I said, it's a breaking news Monday. Let's start with the NFL and the breaking news there. And just uh, within the last hour, the official announcement comes from the Green Bay Packers as they do work out a trade with the New York Jets as the uh, Packers and Jets agree to trade Aaron Rodgers. Um, and he is now a member of the Jets, the four-time MVP, will be going to the Jets for some big-time major compensation. And we know the story has been getting tiresome, and I've just pretty much have refused to even talk about it over the last few weeks just because it's nonsense. Let's talk about it when something finally happens. There was so much speculation. Is it going to happen? When it's going to happen? The bottom line, like I've said, this entire process, even going back last year when Rodgers was debating whether he was going to play or not and then finally came back and played for the Packers, the Green Bay Packers hold all the cards. The Green Bay Packers are only going to trade Aaron Rodgers if they get something that blows them away in return. Rodgers came out and said that he didn't want to play for the Packers anymore. Packers said, fine, not going to hold us hostage. We're going to go with Jordan Love. And basically Brian Gutekunst, the general manager, has said that, hey, we're going to take our sweet time. There is no timetable with this. Well, over the weekend, things started to pick up a little bit, especially with the NFL draft starting on Thursday. And we didn't think that maybe much might happen with the first round draft pick scenario because the Jets had the 13th pick overall. Packers had the 15th. So it's like, okay, is Rodgers going to be involved for a first round pick? Mm, don't know. More of the conversations seem to take place with the second round pick. So it gave some people belief that, well, okay, this thing might not happen before Thursday, but it could happen before Friday. 
before the, the second round gets underway. So, um, finally, Woody Johnson, the Jets owner, put his pedal to the metal and said, listen, I want to get this deal done. Uh, really pushed the Packers along within the last 24 hours or so. And that's exactly how this deal got done. Now, the deal includes a first round pick swap this year. So that 13 and 15 that we talked about, they're going to flip. Okay. So therefore now the Packers are going to get the 13th pick. Jess will get the Packers pick at 15. The big deal is a second rounder this year that the Packers wanted as well too. So they're going to get a second rounder as well. And then they're going to get a first round conditional pick next year, which is really huge because depending on where the Jets finish and where this pick could be. And if the Jets don't fare too well, it could be a higher pick for the Green Bay Packers. But the bottom line is the Jets really gave up a lot in this thing. So that's why the deal was done. The Packers said, we're going to trade him when we're ready. We're going to trade him only if we get what we want. Bottom line is, goodbye, Aaron Rodgers. We got what we want. Um, Going to move up a couple picks this year. Second round pick we get, and then conditional pick for next year. So why did the Jets do this? Because Woody Johnson wants a star. When was the last star that the New York Jets have had? It's Brett Favre. The exact same scenario. And the Jets were adamant that they wanted to make that happen because at that point in time, Brett didn't want to leave, and I've talked about this so many times over the years. Brett didn't want to leave. Ted Thompson drafted Aaron Rodgers. He wanted to get his guy that he selected in there. And after Brett Favre was coming off, this is probably arguably one of the most successful seasons he had. Took the Packers to the NFC Championship game. They lost the Lambeau Field to the Giants. But then Favre said that he wanted to continue playing. Thompson said, nope, let's make a trade. Um, Favre wanted to go in the NFC, specifically in the division. And they said no. So that's why Brett Favre ended up at the Jets. Now you fast forward, basically, well, you know, going what sixteen years later, that it's the exact same scenario. That the Packers were not going to trade uh, Aaron Rodgers within the division, or really in the NFC. They didn't want that. They didn't want to face him because they f- still feel that hey, he's got some mileage left. All right, but the two sides grew apart, fan base. Uh, Turned on Rodgers as well, too. And that's what the big difference is. The big difference between the fan base now and when Brett Favre was there, and I can tell you firsthand, I lived it, I was there. <laughs> uh, that they uh, adored Brett Favre. All right? Aaron Rodgers was like, okay, great. But then the last few years, it was just, hey, get this guy out of here. And again, huge difference. And I'm not going to make this story about Brett Favre versus Aaron Rodgers, but a lot of people will because of the scenario. Both players are traded by the Packers late in their career, and they both go to the exact same franchise. They go to the Jets. March second time in 14 years that the Packers have traded a legendary quarterback to the Jets. So 2009 and now 2023. So 14 years. All right? So that's the story. That's the big news. And it finally happens. And Packer fans, you know what Packer fans for the most part are saying today? Good riddance, Aaron Rodgers. Good riddance because this is a guy that even though he won one Super Bowl, Packer fans thought they should have won a lot more with him. And then from a community standpoint, it's not even close, people. Not even close. What Brett Favre did in that community, what Brett Favre meant to Green Bay and the great state of Wisconsin, all the way through, Aaron Rodgers didn't come within a tenth of a percentage of that because he didn't give anything back to that community. And that's that's the truth, plain and simple. Aaron Rodgers is all about Aaron Rodgers, and now he goes to the Jets. So Woody Johnson wants a star because since Brett Favre, who has been the quarterback for the New York Jets? Mark Sanchez? <laughs> Sam Darnold? Zach Wilson, and then there's about 10 other quarterbacks that were the starters or backups with that franchise 
since Brett Favre left 2010 when he went to go play with the Vikings. And the Jets were legitimate. I mean, the Jets were probably in worse shape back in those days when Brett Favre uh, took over the quarterback duties. The Jets are a little bit better now. They're definitely good on the defensive side of the ball. All right? Offense, they need a little bit of help. But Woody Johnson wanted a star because he his franchise reached, his general managers reached for quarterbacks that weren't very good. Big time reached, especially with Wilson and Darnold, Sanchez, guys that did not materialize at all. So bring in a veteran, and the Jets want to win now. So the big question is, are the Jets committed to winning? Do they want to win now? Well, yeah, they do. They're committed. They want to win. They're basically foregoing their immediate future for draft picks and younger talent to get this guy. So what's got to happen is they need to find out, is Aaron Rodgers all in? That's the question. Is Rodgers all in? Now he's saying the right things, but he's going to go to New York. Rodgers on the downside of his career. You're not going to see Aaron Rodgers throw for 40-plus touchdowns. Not going to see him pass for 4,000 yards. It's not going to happen. Forget about that. And number one, that's not even the offense that the Jets have. All right? But this is another tale of an aging quarterback going to another franchise that he's not going to go in wearing that uniform and that hat in the Hall of Fame when he does go in because Aaron Rodgers will go to the Hall of Fame. But it's a guy that is there and using the New York Jets as an ATM machine. That's what that means. $15 million at least this year. That's what he's going to be getting. All right. So is Aaron Rodgers invested? I don't know. We've seen the best of Aaron Rodgers. That is in the rear view mirror. No question. Numchuck. Did you have a question? I did. I, know you, I saw you hovering over the mic. That's cool. What's up? Is he going to be slipping into the darkness? <laughs> I, hear, I think he already has. He already has. You think there's a spot in New York for him that has it ready for him? Uh, maybe upstate New York? Yeah. I don't know. I think he's done with that, to be honest with you. I think, you know, he wanted to go clear his mind. And when he came out of that, he didn't come out and say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to be a New York Jet. I want to be a New York Jet. He basically said, I want to continue playing. I want more money. I want to feed my ego a little bit more. And he did not want to go out this way. So Aaron Rodgers, a member of the Jets, and the Jets are going to pay a price for it. And Woody Johnson wants to win now. So we'll continue to monitor this story. And uh, I'm glad that it got done. So we don't have to continue talking about it. It got done before draft day. And now the teams know what they have. Uh, in their stockpile now, whether it's this year and next year. But the big, the big thing is, is how long is Aaron Rodgers going to be there? I think that is the more prevalent question. How long is he going to be there? Because the Jets need him to be there for two years. And who is absorbing the majority of this contract and the money? Th- those terms have not come out yet. It will eventually, but I got to believe that the Packers are paying some of the freight here. Because what they're getting in return is pretty one-sided as far as draft picks go. Will the Jets have a better quarterback than the Packers right now? Yes. Yes. Because Jordan Love is not ready to play quarterback. All right. Time will tell. He's had plenty of time to sit behind Rodgers and wait. But it's not like the Packers have a great bunch of offensive weapons as well. So we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. But the deal is done. Aaron Rodgers is now a member of the Jets. All right, uh, we got some more breaking news, but before we get into that, we transition into the NBA playoffs, and Jim Barnett will join us at the bottom of the hour. As you know, we've covered this series through and through, and of course, a lot of personal contacts I have on both franchises with the Warriors and the Kings, and we're giving you great coverage on this. Uh, What's better than the coverage is this series. This has been a phenomenal, spectacular series. Outstanding series. And if you haven't been watching this, you better tune in and watch the next 
two or three games, however long this thing goes. But yesterday in game four in San Francisco, Golden State defeated the Kings 126 to 105. Each team now has won the first four games on their home floor. Sacramento won the first two in Sacktown, and then the Warriors came back, backs against the wall, drilled the Kings in game number three, and then yesterday, plenty of drama. Drama, excitement, and these have been nerve-wracking games. Two of the four games have come down to the final possession, two one-possession games, going down to the very last shot. Huge difference, as we know, between the NBA regular season and the NBA playoffs, but this is why we like the playoffs. But we like the playoffs because you have veteran, a veteran team in there with the Golden State Warriors, with Steph Curry, with Clay Thompson, with Draymond Green, guys like Kayvon Looney, Jordan Poole, up-and-coming superstars. This series has given you everything. It's just too bad this is a first-round series because it really is playing out like it should be a final or a Western Conference final between these two rivals that is finally a rival. Sacramento Kings fans have always wanted this to be a rival, but when the Kings were good, the Warriors stunk, going back to the late 1990s and the early 2000s, and then the Warriors have been dominant. Um, you know, obviously the last decade, they've been very, very good, while the Kings have not been in the playoffs in the past 16 years. And the Kings cannot win on the road here in the playoffs. And now, advantage Warriors. Now, let's talk a little bit about why it's advantage Warriors. Because now it's a two two out of three game series. Even though two games are in Sacramento, granted, we know that the Warriors have um, struggled on the road. But with this breaking news coming down today also, De'Aaron Fox, more than likely... Not going to play in Game 5. Do not know what his situation is going to be for the rest of the series. But right now, he is listed as doubtful. Okay? Keyword there, doubtful. Now, because this game isn't until Wednesday, all right, we've had these two days off in between majority of the games, we'll see if he can recover. What happened yesterday was De'Aaron Fox uh, fractured his finger in the waning moments of this game. And when you saw the King, the uh, Warriors blitz Darren Fox in the final possession, double teaming, they specifically wanted to keep the ball out of his hands. They did. Harrison Bond, Barnes launched the, the three point shot that went back rim and off and the Warriors prevailed to get the 126, 125 victory. All right. So he fractured the very tip of his left index finger uh, towards the end of the game. Now they still hope that he can play, uh, game five. You know, coming up uh, on Wednesday. All right. Fox uh, would need to play with a protective covering on the finger, but right now he's listed as doubtful. Remember, okay, so uh, this game is not until Wednesday. So it gives him a couple extra days to rest here. All right. So we'll talk to Jim Barnett about this. Uh, Gary Gerald, the fine voice of the Kings, a Hall of Fame voice for 38 years, he's going to join us, um, you know, coming up. Uh, on Wednesday as well, too. So we look forward to to him. And Henry Turner will be joining us. And again, again more great coverage uh, with this series. But going to yesterday's game, right? the Golden State Warriors trailed by nine points. Right? They battled back and eventually led by 10 in the second half. They had a five-point lead with the ball with 42 seconds remaining. Luckily, it was over. It was done. They may win this thing by double digits. But with 42 seconds to go, Steph Curry is bringing the ball up court. He gets double teamed as he's approaching midcourt, and he calls timeout. Well, the problem was the Warriors didn't have any timeouts left. Now, the reason they didn't have any timeouts is because they made a challenge a couple possessions before that, and they only had two timeouts left. They took one. They went back, and they challenged. They lost the challenge, and uh, that timeout was taken away. You lost it. Steph Curry did not know that. So when he got double teamed, he thought, hey, this is a safe play. I'm up five. We're up five. Got the ball. I'm not going to force him to turn it over. Well, what happened? He called timeout. They didn't have any timeouts left. So in that case, what happens is it's a technical foul on the Warriors. So that's a free throw. All right. And they lose possession of the basketball. So 
the way this thing played out in the final 42 seconds was was amazing. So you have the technical foul. The free throw is made, makes it 126-122. Sacramento gets possession of the ball. Harrison Barnes, the former warrior, misses a three-pointer. And Clay Thompson can't corral the rebound and knocks it out of bounds, giving the Kings another opportunity. All right? They inbound the ball. Fox is open. Hits a deep three. Boom. There you go. And now all of a sudden we got a one-point game. 126-125. The biggest fears that the Warriors had when Curry called that timeout and Thompson couldn't corral the rebound was that would happen, and it did. So now the Warriors have the ball protecting a one-point lead. And they bring the ball up. The Kings, smartly, do not foul. They said, we're going to play this thing out with a three-second difference between shot clock and game clock. Curry has the ball in his hands at midcourt, starts penetrating down the lane. He stops just inside the key, launches a 14-footer with 14 seconds left, front rim no good, and the rebound is picked up by Murray of the Kings. So he gets the rebound. They call timeout now with 10.5 to go. 10 seconds to go. And the Warriors are now thinking, if we're in bad shape here. If we foul, they're going to the free throw line. They're in the bonus and the penalty. You got to play D for 10 seconds. Now, the Kings on the last couple possessions really helped the Warriors out a little bit by launching shots early in the shot clock, not waiting for the best shot. They just lost their poise. So with 10 seconds to go, Mike Brown calls timeout. We believe diagrams something up for Fox. But Fox got double teamed, like we mentioned. He kicks it over to Harrison Barnes. Clock is winding down. Barnes launches a three from the left wing from 23 feet out. It was on target. It was long. Back rim. Horn sounds. Warriors win. Game over. 126 105, 126 to 125, and they escape with a victory. And now, in my opinion, are in control of the series because it's now 2 2. They've won two in a row. And now you have the possibility playing without De'Aaron Fox. And even if De'Aaron Fox does play, you know, with that finger wrapped up, he's not going to be nearly as effective. And this guy has just been phenomenal. Two 38 point games in the series. 38 in game one yesterday, 38 again. But the Warriors give him credit. Curry, 32. Clay Thompson, 26. Big shot after big shot. Jordan Poole, 22 points. Wiggins, 18 points. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. And when you look at the stats of this game, when you go back and you look at the team stats, and I just can't hit enough about how impressive that this game was. Because when you look at the stats for this game, not just, and I'm not talking about the individual scoring here. Warriors, 50%, they shoot from the field, 45 and 90. The Kings, 48 for 102, 47%. Three pointers, both shoot over 40%. 41%, the Warriors connect on 14 shots. The Kings hit 14 threes. Free throws, each team. Right around 85, 90%. The Kings were 15 for 18. That's 83%. Do the math there. 92% for the Warriors. 22 of 24. Rebounds. Each team, 44 rebounds, dead even. All right? Assists pretty close. Even the Warriors had 31. They had six more than the Kings. You had six to three blocks in favor of the Warriors. Turnovers. Both teams took care of the ball. Kings only 10, Warriors only 11. Like I said, the Warriors, they keep it down to under 12 or less. They're probably going to win. Points in the paint, 50 apiece. (laughs) Can't get any more even than that. Second chance points, slight advance for Sacramento. Fast break points, 17-15 favor the Warriors. Points off of turnovers, 18 for the Kings, 15 for the Warriors. I mean, biggest lead in the game, 10 by the Warriors, 9 by the Kings. Amazing game. Reverse there. I meant nine by the Warriors and 10 by the game. Just unbelievable. Unbelievable game. 
a fantastic game. All right. Here's what everyone had to say after the game. Steve Kerr talking about the timeout situation when Steph Curry called the timeout, didn't know he had it. 100% my my fault. I knew we didn't have any timeouts left. Um, We took the challenge, and when the challenge was unsuccessful, um, as we were exiting the the huddle, that's on me. I've got to remind the guys we're, we're out of timeouts. I didn't say that, and so Steph wasn't aware. So that's that's on me for um, not making that clear. Here's Steph's response. I knew we challenged, but I didn't realize when we lost the challenge that we didn't have any timeouts left. Um, I know Coach mentioned uh, he took the blame for it. As I ain't going to lie. I thought it was the smartest play in the world. Uh, when I got the ball, turned around, saw a trap, realized... There was no real outlets instead of turning it over. It's kind of the uh, the heady play, but it turned out not to be. I looked over at the bench and everybody was shaking their head. <laughs> All right, that is uh, Steph Curry, but luckily it worked out for uh, the Warriors. All right, Mike Brown talked about the situation. Mike Brown just talked about the game going into San Francisco, needing to win at least one of two, and now the Kings have lost two in a row, and this series is tied up too. They're the champions. We we got to bring it. If we don't bring it, we gonna get beat. Uh, there's, there's no tricks. They, there's no message I can give them. I'm just, I got to tell them. They they, they know. Right? I'm telling them the truth. We can't have mental breakdowns like we did in in the fourth quarter uh, with our game plan. We can't uh, waste possessions by jumping into bodies and begging for fouls. And we got to continue to play at the pace that we're playing. Uh, but just make sure we're a little bit smarter in the half court and the full court while keeping these guys off the glass i mean it's simple hey they're they're a good team they're, they're, they're gonna make shots we're, we're not gonna be able to stop steph curry from making shots you know you just got to make him work as hard as he can uh to, to, to get his looks uh from the floor all right that is mike brown uh keeping in good spirits and again this series is still tied two games apiece and the kings do have home court advantage and especially as bad as the warriors have played this year on the road I mean, 11 in 31 uh, are the Warriors right now on the ro- road, okay? Uh, and they lost the first two in Sacramento. If you can make the argument, the Warriors had every opportunity to win both of those games in Sacramento. And now the Warriors feel pretty good about themselves because they've won two in a row. They've got the experience. And now they could be facing a Kings team without their leading scorer, their glue, their leader, the six-year veteran De'Aaron Fox, who is injured with a fractured finger. So... Again, we will continue to monitor that story. But the bottom line is, fantastic series. And, you know, if you don't like this, then, man, you don't like basketball. You don't like sports. Because this is a fantastic series. And uh, the pandemonium in both arenas, tremendous. And I can just tell you, speaking from experience and knowing those buildings very well, being in playoff games in, in both those buildings, it's just an incredible setting. We will talk more about this with our next guest. Jim Barnett is going to join us, the longtime Warriors broadcaster and the former Warrior himself. Won a championship way back in the day in 75 with Rick Barry and company and those Warrior teams. And uh, Jim Barnett uh, will talk to us and give us his thoughts from San Francisco as we continue on this magnificent Monday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Turn your head and cough. Here's the doctor, T.C. Martin. All right, like we said, just a fantastic series going on so far between the Warriors and the Kings. And uh, four games in the books, nothing settled. The home team has won each and every game. And now the series shifts to Sacramento for game number five on Wednesday. And a guy who's got a uh, uh, front row seat for all the action, the longtime uh, Warrior broadcaster on the television and the radio side, and of course, the former Warrior himself, the uh, champion back in the day, Jim Barnett, joins us now. Jim, how you doing, my man? DC, I'm doing fine, thank you. Great to uh, hear from you again, uh, Jim. So I can only imagine what uh, games three and four were like uh, for you. And, you know, you and I have talked a lot about... Um, you know, when this team left Oakland playing in the Coliseum, which was really a true home court advantage. And we didn't know how the Chase Center was going to play out early on. But now, you know, we, the Warriors have a championship, um, you know, 
in their pocket playing at the Chase Center uh, last year, and now we've seen games three and four of this playoff run. I'm real curious, Jim, what was that atmosphere like in games three and four over the weekend? Pretty exciting, and uh, and I, I think the fans are a little concerned down at 0-2. Uh, it's never been like that. And so they knew they had to bring, bring along with the team a little extra. And, uh, they get, it's, it's, it's really rocking inside there. And it, of course, it's been, it was incredible in Sacramento as well. Uh, it's just it, been fantastic series. It was now tied up at 2-2. And, and I'll tell you what, I know the Warriors have won the last two games, but that doesn't mean anything. This Sacramento team, I think, is a lot better than people gave them credit for, even though they finished, uh, with the third seed in the West here, they, uh, they've got some talent. They've got some shooters. Uh, Darren Fox is having an incredible series. Uh, he's one player that can't be stopped. He can get to any spot on the floor that he wants, any time that he wants. And, uh, he's had a great series and, you know, you can't overlook him. So, you know, the Warriors, the Warriors are right now, they, they know they're in for a battle. And, you know, and it's all, all year long too, the whole thing. They, just were so bad on the road, and it's continued here in the playoffs in this first round. So we'll see how it comes out in Game 5. The final three possessions of yesterday's game, Jim, in, yep. game, in game number four were insane. I want to hear from your perspective and your thoughts and, and basically start with the Warriors having the ball with a five-point lead with 42 seconds to go, and they had their opportunities, and then Curry calls the timeout, which – he didn't yep. realize they didn't have any. And then all of a sudden, the worst nightmare came through. You have the technical foul. That shot is made. And then Fox hits the three-pointer. And then, you know, uh, Clay Thompson has a, a chance. You know, that Harrison Barnes missed, you know, to protect that five-point lead, but he can't corral it. And then Fox comes in and hits the three. So take us through your thoughts of those final three possessions to the final horn where Barnes' shot, you know, hit the back rim and yep. prevailed for the victory for the Warriors. Well, he had to come up with some kind of defense, and you couldn't afford a foul uh, and put him on the line, lose the game that way. And uh, it was very tense. And, you know, everybody's talking about calling a timeout and not having it. And, of course, Steve Kerr takes the blame for it. And, you know, there's so many stoppages in the last two minutes of a game like this. Anyway, someone has got to inform the players. I can, I can understand that they didn't know that. I just can't believe with all the assistant coaches that you have, uh, and nowadays in the NBA, that that information was not conveyed to the players. That's, I mean, but I've been in situations like that on the court, and all of a sudden, someone's yelling out, we have no timeouts left, we have no timeouts left, and you always know that. And so that is an incredible bonehead play, if you will, uh, that, that the Warriors had there to, uh, you know, all was in a close game, all of a sudden it's a five point lead. You ain't going to win. You got 40 seconds to go and everything changes like that. And it hinges on the opposition missing the last shot of the game that would have given them the win. Mm-hmm. And so the Warriors were very lucky. They were very lucky that Harrison Barnes shot, uh, caromed off the side and back of the rim on that last shot. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it, they were just fortunate. So you, you, you go with luck. Sometimes you have to have luck too. Yeah. And here's another thing too. I know that, uh, you know, as fans or even media, you know, we look at, I'm always looking at the scoreboard for timeout situations. And, you know, there's, there's plenty of those scoreboards that tell you how many timeouts you got left. And I just don't think players actually look up. I mean, especially veteran players, they, they, they should China, you know, kind of regroup themselves in, in the waning minutes or seconds of a game just to kind of double check that. But you're right. I mean, that's on Kerr, the assistant coaches. I mean, that's always uh, a, a thing that they are always supposed to, Hey, there's one, usually Jim, and you know, this, there's usually one assistant who's in charge of that information. And it's always in the co- head coach's ear and saying, Hey, we got two left. Hey, we got one left. Hey, we don't have any left. And that usually, right. that is, is usually a, one of the chief assistants jobs right there. Uh, so yeah. I understand that, the, you know, because it was weird. Cause I remember, you know, I was, you know, watching the broadcast yesterday and said, well, the Warriors have two. Kerr used one. And it's like, wow, they're, you know, I mean, for a team that basically led the entire second half, it's like, hmm, it's kind of weird that they're, you know, could be out of timeouts here down the stretch. And that's exactly what yeah, happened. Yeah. Where'd they go? 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because you say, look at the scoreboard. The problem with the scoreboard is you have to know exactly where to look yeah. on each and every scoreboard in the, in the, in the league and, and what, what it is in that particular arena because there's so much information yeah, up there. You know, true field goal percentage. They <laughs> just field goal percentage. But, it, but it's the your home court, too. For the Warriors, it's your home court. You know where to look. It's, right? always, it's, it's, it's inundated <laughs> with all kinds of information up there. And so a player, he, he might use the whole time up trying to find where it was <laughs> mentioned, where it's, where it's illustrated that how many timeouts are left. And so I think that's part of the problem right there. There's just so much information up there on the big scoreboard. But yeah, you you have to know that, and uh, it almost cost them the game, and they're very fortunate. And you know, it's it's just interesting. I, I think in this the last two games, since Draymond did not play in Game Three, you're thinking, well, the Warriors' defense uh, is is going to go out the window. But all of a sudden, in that game, Sacramento they had their worst shooting night of all the four games. Uh, only scored 97 points. They were uh, horrible from three point range at 23.4 percent. And 38% overall without Draymond on the floor because usually it's the other way around. Draymond, uh, when when he's absent and, and off the court, usually the uh, Warriors give up a lot defensively because of that. But they rallied and, and played pretty well. So um, we'll, we'll see how it all turns out. I, I know this, the series... Uh, you know, it's we we know it's going to go six games, and I would not be surprised if it goes seven. And if it goes seven games, uh, it's really going to test both teams. It's the uh, experience that the Warriors have, which I haven't seen really in this series, uh, come to the front that often. Uh, it, uh, Sacramento has some players; they seem undaunted by it. They they don't fear a thing, I guarantee you, and they're playing with confidence. And of course. They turn the ball over a heck of a lot less than the Warriors do, which has always been a problem. The, the last couple of games, the home games for the Warriors, did a much better job hanging on to the ball. But they're still, they still give up, um, except in Game Three, you know, more points off turnovers than the opposition. Yeah, and then you know there was some uh, questionable, I guess uh, you know, clock management uh, with the Kings too. And if you look at that last minute, Jim, where they kind of rush yeah. shots early in the clock, and it's like, wow, that's you know, that's that's the yeah. experience. I mean, that's the inexperience right there. You know, I think, uh, and you, we haven't seen a whole bunch of it, but uh, you know, when it matters most, and I think you know, now when you get to you know games five and six and a seven, if if necessary, that's something we got to keep an eye on. Right. I think they may rush those shots because they they didn't know, especially you know prior to Stephen Curry uh, calling that timeout, and so they're looking at that and they're looking counting down the possessions and the Warriors can use their full twenty four seconds before they shoot, uh, and and they they thought maybe they were just uh, if, if the game had been uh, two points closer you wouldn't have seen that, um, but you know you also have players who are competent in themselves and I think Clay Thompson do that. Um, even in this series, that he should have held on to the ball, but he took a shot earlier in the shot clock as the quarter was winding down or the game is winding down. And so, um, you know, players, they believe in themselves. That's the thing about the, the NBA players. One thing about them, the great ones, they, they do believe in themselves and they're going to do, they're going to go against the grain all the time. And, uh, whereas a, the, a normal average player would not do that. He'd be a little more conservative. And, and you just hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what was going with, uh, through Steph's mind, right? I mean, they could have milked that clock down, Jim. They have the ball with 27 seconds left. There's 24 yeah. on, on the, yeah. on, on the, yeah. on the game clock. And then Mike Brown saying, no, we're going to play it out. And then Steph puts up the shot with 14 seconds left. That little runner. And it's like you said, it had to be going through his mind. It's like, okay, this is a little runner. Uh, you know, it's a 13, yeah. 14 footer. I'm going to nail this. And, and then it's curtains, right? But, uh, right. but no. I, I was, I was surprised they did, they did not run that all the way back down yeah. and take a shot just in the last second of the, of the shot clock. Right. And then it, by the time that, even if it were missed, by the time things would happen and the rebound and whatever, uh, you would have, Less than you'd have two seconds. Sacramento would have two seconds to get the ball down the floor and make a shot. And uh, I would have, you know, I would have taken all 24 seconds of that shot clock. Uh, but I was surprised at that too. 
Uh, Jim Barnett uh, joins us, a uh, longtime uh, analyst for the Golden State Warriors and former Warrior player himself back in the day. All right, let's talk a little bit about Draymond Green. You brought him up. Let's start with the suspension, okay? And then he didn't play in Game 3. No Draymond, no problem for the Warriors like you talked about. And it was a great yeah. focused effort you know, by the Warriors. Now Game 4 rolls around, and uh, Draymond suggested that he come off the bench and then at halftime, uh, we hear assistant coaches suggested to Steve Kerr that, hey, let's start Draymond in the second half and let's have him guard Fox. And Draymond yeah. had himself a great game. 12 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists. And we were talking about this leading up to this game, Jim. If Draymond does that, if he has like a double-double and does that, then the Warriors are probably going to win this game. And Draymond, for the most part, didn't shoot a, a great percentage. I think it was something like three, Not at all. Yeah, yeah, three for 14, something like that. That wasn't good. But those numbers, you know, kind of backed up. And of course, his leadership there. Talk a little bit about the decision about bringing him off the bench and then in the second half, starting him and letting him guard Fox. I think what uh, that situation, Dr- Draymond has such confidence and he's, he is. It's amazing. There are usually the the uh, a point guard in particular is going to have a huge advantage over a bigger player guarding him. You, your eyes get wide there. You say, "I'm going to have a feast uh, right now." But that's not always the, the 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 same with Draymond. He just knows how to play people, and he knows how to give enough room where he can still recover if they want to take the outside shot and bother someone, and still stay. And he still has the the lateral speed and the quickness and the anticipation that he can stay with him on a drive. And he, you know, he, he does quite well that way. Um, I'm trying to think, let's see. Did he start, did, did Draymond start the second, uh, the, did he start the second half? Yes. He started the second half and then he, he was well, there, Fox from the get go. Yeah. 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 But okay. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Um, excuse me. I, I thought you said that. And I thought, I'm trying to remember, and I've been yeah. watching too much basketball. Here. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, in that third in that third quarter, Fox was one of six from the field. Yeah. And did uh, he got to the free throw line and, and made three free throws? But he had a, a you know in a game where he finished with 38 points, he only had five points in that third quarter. And I think that gave the Warriors a little bit of momentum right there because. Heck, they they won that quarter thirty seven to twenty three, and that was the, that was the big big quarter for them, and it gave them a little cushion going into that fourth quarter because they did at the uh, end of that um, they had the uh, ten point lead at the end of the third quarter ninety one hundred two to ninety two, so that gave them a little bit of a cushion, and so I think Draymond doing that showed uh, you know why he's valuable to this club and what he can do defensively. I, I was shocked at this though because. Draymond is almost like two different people, and I mean he—he's so cool with things and everything, and yet he's so emotional that that the things the the things get away from him because he immediately comes into the game after being suspended for a game and gets a technical. I think what in the first couple of possessions, (laughs) right? You know, I mean he's—he's very unusual. He's very unusual, and he's. He's, he's he's childish in so many ways, really, when you think about it. But but that's also what uh, what makes him great is his ability to go out there and just let everything go. And and he has incredible confidence and believes in himself. But if you're coaching Draymond, and I've seen Kerr walk away from him, so trying to calm him down, not necessarily this year, but another few years past. And when he gets going like that, because he you know he just tunes you out, and he's gonna he's gonna go to the beat of his own drum. And you have to live with that with Draymond. That's just who he is. Yeah. All right. So De'Aaron Fox has been outstanding. He's had two 38-point yeah. games. And so originally I was going to ask you, Jim, how do you stop this guy? Because he has been a problem. But then we get the news, you know, within the last couple hours that he is now listed as doubtful because he, you know, fractured his finger towards the end of that game. So now this is a huge break. For the Warriors, unfortunate break uh, for the Kings. Now, the game isn't until Wednesday, so they have some time with this thing. But right now, Kings personnel is saying that nah, more than likely, I mean, he is going to be listed as doubtful. They're going to see what they can do. But so two-part question here, I guess, is how do you stop him, you know, if he does play and he's healthy? And then number two, without Fox, what does this do to the Kings? Yeah. Well, let me ask you. This is on his shooting hand. Is that correct? 
Left hand, yes. That's important to me. I have, I tell you the truth, I haven't read a thing, you know, and I didn't know what was going on. I've been busy doing my taxes the last couple of days, and I've been buried in it. And so I feel your pain, brother. I know what you're going through. (laughs) And I, hey, it's all done and it's all signed and everything's finally. That's, heck, I've lost so much sleep off that. But tell me, what is it? Is shooting? Is he left hand? He's left handed. He's left handed. His left hand or his right? Yeah. I believe it's his left, and uh, I'm going to, because no one has said Uh, that, but I'm just trying to uh, remember when I saw him shaking his hand uh, towards the end of that game. So um, we're going to get that for you, and and we'll find out. So let's just, we'll we'll go with this. Depends on which finger it is, but if it's it's a shooting hand side, shooting hand, um, it's critical, and if it's his, you know, pinky or something like that, he can he can play with the the thumb and the first three fingers a lot better. It is Jim. Um, it is Jim. Just so we know, it's his left index finger. Index finger. Yes. Uh oh. Okay. There you go. So that's his, that's finger number one, if you will. There you go. And yeah. and that's important. But what he'll do, he'll take the uh, the first finger with the middle finger, you know, and the, with the big finger, the middle finger there, and that. Because I've I've had I haven't ever played with a broken finger, but that's that's what they do. But I also, knowing that if I were the opponent, I would I would really give him a lot of room so that I get if I do not want him to get around and get inside because he's so good with those little shots inside the lane, which I think are difficult little twelve foot floaters that he does. I would I would really risk seeing him shoot a lot of threes. We, we know, and I, I've said this before, the reason I, I have so much um, praise for, for him so much, Darren, Darren Fox, because three years ago, he, if I were playing in the league, I'd, I'd let him take all the threes that he wanted. But now he's a pretty good shooter. Right. And once he gets going, you know, I've got a lot of respect for that. He's really improved his game and, and has proved as a shooter. But with that finger that way, I would test that from three-point range. I think it's going to be hard to launch it there with any kind of accuracy. I think it will affect him. So I, I would give him a lot more room, and I would then I'd have a much better chance of keeping him out of the lane, keeping him above, way above the free throw line, and hopefully above the top of the key, and let him take you know thirty-eight jump shots from there from three-point range. Is that would be I, I, until he can prove that he can shoot some with that finger the way it is. Game five. Back in Sacramento at the Golden One Center, and we saw how crazy that was for games one and two. Uh, the Warriors, though, as we know, Jim, they're eleven and thirty-two on the road this season. Simple question: Why? Why are they so bad on the road? It's I, I've tried to figure it out all year because I do all the road games, yeah. you know, on the radio, and I I just can't understand it. And you can look at their shooting percentage. In fact, this last game is finally when they shot shot the ball extremely well but they they don't shoot threes well on the road and that's proven in the first two games here um shooting like that when they're shooting around 32 percent uh from the field and at taking you know game one they take 53s and make 16 of them uh and by the way both teams you know the warriors cut down i, I thought it was really smart in game four they were very discerning in their three-point selection but um, I, I'm not confident that they're going to win in game five uh, in Sacramento because I have to see it to really believe it. And I think in order for them to win, they've got to shoot a little better percentage from three point range and they've got to take care of the ball. For some reason on the road, they turn the dog on ball over. You know, the, the last road game they had was game two and that's the game where they turned it over 22 times and gave 25 points to uh Sacramento you're going to lose you're going to lose every time you do that. And so um I don't know hope they can cure that during the playoffs here and I hope they can cure that in this series and go on and win and and go on and see who they, see who they play next. But they've got to get past I tell you what this series is long from being over and uh it would not surprise me if it goes to seven games. And I have to say if it goes to seven games I would think the Warriors would win but I sure wouldn't bet my house on it. Well, especially with Fox being doubtful. If he does not play in Game 5, then again, I think the Warriors got the yeah. momentum. We know they can win on the road. I mean, it's four-time yeah. championship yeah. team and you know, with this crew here. I mean, Jim, so right. yeah. g- give me a prediction real quick. Game 5, what happens? Well, uh, I think they'll win in Game 5. I think the Warriors will win and prevail in Game 5, and particularly if Fox doesn't play, yeah. then I would. Then I might bet my house on it. Right. Um, 
I just don't think they're going to make that up because he's such a great, great leader and such a great player. I really like that young man. I really, yeah. I really after this year, I, I'm a big, big fan of his. So, um, but I don't like to see anybody hurt. I have to tell you, I like to see everyone healthy right. and everyone play. Right. Right, exactly. No question. Yeah, I prefer Fox it that is, way. Is a phenomenal player, and uh, he has surprised a lot of people, especially people that haven't got a chance to watch the Kings very much. But what what a player he has truly become, Jim. We yeah. appreciate the time as always, my friend. Uh, enjoy Sacramento. If you need a couple eat spo- <laughs> eating spots, let me know. Uh, I'll I'll, uh, I'll survey him up to you. <laughs> Thank you. PC. Take care, brother. Take care. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. There he is, Jim Barnett, always part of our great uh, basketball coverage here, especially with the Warriors. Love having him on the show. All right, uh, so we go back and we talk about Steve Kerr and Draymond Green and that decision for Draymond Green not to start. Remember, that was Draymond Green's decision for him not to start. Here's Steve Kerr talking about it. The spacing was an issue in the first two games in Sacramento, and the, the, the spacing was part of the reason for the turnovers. Um, so you take Draymond out, and you put Jordan in, and now you got you know, four players around the three-point line, one big. It it just creates passing lanes, driving lanes, and uh, makes the game easier. I'm a firm believer, and if something isn't broke, you don't fix it. And you know our offense was rolling; we played good defensively really good defensively so I didn't want to um, come back and just shake things up because I'm back like that's not right whether you play two minutes or 40 winning the game is the most important thing in the first half of the first game after you're suspended you get a technical foul beautiful huh it's very on brand absolutely what what message were you trying to I'm still here and don't change still here and ain't no tech moving me off my square. Been this way for 33 years. I pray I can be this way for 33 more. Draymond Green talking about his decision. Didn't want to mess up the chemistry there. And uh, the assistant coaches went to Kerr at, at halftime and said, hey, let's start Draymond in the second half, though, and let's let him guard De'Aaron Fox. And like Jim Barnett pointed out, De'Aaron Fox struggled big time in the third quarter. All right. And Draymond Green... Going after the media guy, but the media guy brought it up. How about the media guy sitting there going, "Well, uh, you know, very on brand." Oh. <laughs> hey, I know there are people out there that don't like Draymond Green, okay? But for a guy that's covered him, he's a joy, man. He's a joy. He's one of those guys. He'll sit and talk to you, and he'll be very open with you. And yeah, he's a showman. There's no question about it. But he plays with his heart, and his teammates love him. We've talked about that last week, about players like that that have an attitude, can get you know a little feisty, but he's got his teammates back, and they got his. And he is a soundbite machine. You got that right. All right. Woo! All right. We come back. We're going to the peg. Winnipeg, because we got Golden Knights to talk about. NBA playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs. This is the time of year that we love. My man Double B, Brian Benowitz, and Jesus Lopez, who broadcast the Golden Knight games on the Spanish side. They're in the peg. We're going to talk to them. Oh, yes, and there will be plenty of food questions. Don't you dare worry about that.